Well, good morning, Believers Chapel. Thanks for coming out and being here this morning. We're grateful for um, your ministry of attendance, encouraging each other, and being part of the body of Christ. Uh, true story before we begin. I graduated from uh, Liberty University, and uh, during the summer, I came home to be a part of a Christian youth camp ministry in the local area. It was, part of, it was required of the staff to sing in the chorale or the choir, and uh, I should have told them, I should have told them, I make a joyful noise, but he said, go up to the chapel and sit where you think you sing, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. And <laughs> I don't know where I sing. I don't sing high. I don't sing real low. So maybe I'll, I'll sit in the tenor section. That seems to be right in the middle. Well, we had to learn to camp songs. This is like two weeks prior to anybody showing up. The staff is all there. And no kidding, the director playing the piano said, stop, wait a minute. What's that noise? <laughs> and... Uh, he says, okay, well, I'm going to have you sing a cappella, and I'm going to walk behind each row of each section. And sure enough, he gets in the tenor section. He walks behind me as we're singing camp songs, and he says, okay. Now, we have a staff of about 70 people. I think I found our problem. You know, God gives us many different gifts and talents and abilities. What we have here is a good usher. <laughs> and then began my experience of knowing that I was not called to music ministry. And God works that way, doesn't he? It, beautifully in the body of Christ, you have gifts and talents and abilities um, and an encouragement through his word is to get plugged in, to be a part of what God's doing around the world, but especially in the particular church that you're involved in, to get plugged in. So in this series that uh, we've been going through, Reality Check, Pastor Sean talked about sexual identity. In the craziness of all of that's going on, we come back to the ultimate reality of God. His word, his absolute truth. And we say, what does God say? Reality check, right? And then um, the second Sunday in this series, we talked about personal holiness. What does it mean for me to know God, to walk with him, and him working in and through me to become more like his son? We've been predetermined to be like Jesus, and that's a process. Because positionally, thank God, through Jesus Christ, I am declared holy and right. But practically, we're working it out. The Holy Spirit is at work in you and me and through us to become more like him. And it's a process. Our desire and our goal is that our position and our practice becomes more closely together. It won't happen while you're here. It'll become complete when he comes to take us home or you die and go to be with him. But it's a progressive work, right? Personal holiness. Reality check. Don't let the conformity of the pattern of this world to mark our life. We've been called out to be separate, right? And then last week, what a beautiful service if you were here with regards to struggling in life. 
the reality is, is that you will. Jesus did. He encouraged us by saying, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it is okay to struggle. What a wonderful lead-in to this morning's message with regards to the reality of check of the body of Christ and the need to meet together. Where better to get help and encouragement as you're walking through the struggles of life but the body of Christ? That is God's intention. Don't forsake the meeting of yourselves together. Let's get together as the body of Christ and encourage and inspire and stir one another up to love and good deeds. So the big term here is disembodiment tendencies. Don't get that confused with dismembering <laughs> tendencies. No, no, no. Disembodiment. Meaning, meaning, I don't need church. I might, as, I might as well just stay home. Right? Reality check. That's not God's intention. That's not God's plan. But for some, the pandemic was a great excuse. And they have never come back. So, you see, I'm, I know I'm talking to the choir so to speak, right? You're here. <laughs> You're here. And thanks be to God that you've made the decision to be here, to be a part, and it's encouraging for everybody. The person on your right or your left, that you're here. Glory be to God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. It's important. And what I hope to share with you this morning through the power of, this, of his spoken word is that you see it perhaps maybe in a light or a truth that you've never saw before in that facet. Um, but here are some statistics, if um, I could share with you. It's living our lives, our tendency is to do exactly the opposite of what God's good and purpose for our lives is. <laughs> Meaning, the tendency to get together and assemble uh, that is to not get together, not assemble. And it has been going on and um, through the pandemic has become an excuse not to come back. Uh, we love to live our lives and it's easier to live our lives through screens, streams, apps, and phones. It's ironic that something that is supposed to connect us to virtually anybody, all, anyways around the world is actually an instrument through which more and more loneliness is developing. Um, depression. We should be more connected to other people, but it's not. Loneliness is rising at an alarming rate, and many are saying, as they study this, that it will overtake obesity as the epidemic threatening most Americans. Loneliness. San Diego State University professor Gene Twinge called the group of people that are born between 1995 and 2012 the I-Gen generation. The I-Gen generation. This generation is markedly different due to the increase in smartphones and social media. And she found that teenagers that spend three or more hours on their electronics per day 
have a 35% more chance or apt to have suicidal tendencies. It's alarming. What was possibly intended to connect us is actually deceptively causing us to be more and more disconnected and lonely. And, and with that comes depression and anxiety and a bunch of other health issues. And here's a quote from uh, Jean Twenge, the San Diego University professor. She says, it's not an exaggeration to describe iGen as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades. And much of this deterioration can be traced to their phones. Unquote. Reality check, right? Reality check. We are social creatures. We are, we are made in the image and likeness of the triune God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who for all eternity past was exuberantly happy in the fellowship and relationship of the Trinity. And we were created like that. We were created for relationships. And God's intention is for us to connect, to be in relationship. Nothing can replace the crucial face-to-face -face interaction between people. Surviving and thriving in a life of faith and love depends on Christians intentionally building each other up in faith and stirring one another up in love and, and good deeds. Without this intentional faith and this building up of togetherness, we lose our zeal, we'll drift from God, become hardened to the deceitfulness of sin, and if someone doesn't snatch us, Back, we make shipwreck of our faith, of our so-called faith, and we would die in unbelief. We need each other. It is God's design. We can't, there's no plan B. There was a pastor who visited a man who he noticed wasn't coming to church for a long period of time. So he called on him one night, his, knocked on the door, his wife let him in. She started to make coffee, and um, the pastor and this man, John, made small talk. They sat in the living room in a chair, made small talk for a little while, and then it was silent as they watched the fire burn in the fireplace. Well, it crackled and made its noise, and there was an amber that... Um, jumped out of the fire and onto the hearth. And for a while, they watched as it was bright and red and warm and, glow and was glowing. But over a short period of time, it quickly dwindled in its intensity, became cold and dark. And without saying anything, the pastor looks at John. He gets up, grabs the tongs next to the fire, picks up that amber, places it back into the fire, and sits down, and it glowed. It became warm. It had a flame again. The pastor gets up to leave, looks at John, and John says, see you on Sunday, pastor. We need each other. We need each other. 
one another verses, I don't know if you've ever looked at them, throughout the Bible, we are told to love one another, one another, right? You can't do it by yourself. Love one another. Uh, welcome one another. Care for one another. Agree with one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Teach one another. Do good to one another. Confess to one another. Show hospitality to one another. Do you get the idea? We can't do this alone, and it's not God's intention to be isolated. He placed you in a body and in a family. Our text this morning is Hebrews chapter 10. If you could find that, please, in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 24 and 25. While you're turning, Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, another true quick uh, story that took place in my life. I, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Liberty University. I told you that and, and uh, graduated. And then um, I went to aeronautical school and then became an airplane mechanic and a carpenter after that. And you're, you look back on your life and you're, you're, it looks, it's not a straight path. Well, while I was working in construction, we attended a church out in eastern New York that was a church plant. Um, a retired man from IBM uh, served as a church planting pastor. And he became my mentor um, under him. I, I grew in my relationship with Christ. <clears throat> his name is Dave, and his wife's name is Barb. Dave and Barb left our church to start another church in Pennsylvania. We had another pastor who served for a while at our little church. And then um, through a series of providence, God convinced me to make myself available uh, to be the third man who served at the, as a pastor uh, for Cornerstone Bible Fellowship Church. I served there for 13 years. Our church was small enough where in our service, we would um, ask if there's somebody who had something they're thankful for. They would raise their hand and I would recognize them. Dave and Barb were away for a while planning a church and in their retirement, they came back to the church that I was currently pastoring, and he became our associate pastor. We enjoyed a wonderful, and we still do enjoy a, a wonderful relationship. During the service, is there anybody who has something they're thankful for? Barb raises her hand. True story. I recognize her from the pulpit, and from the pulpit I said, yes, babe, I mean, I mean Barb? And the congregation lost it. Dave jumps up without missing a beat, and he says, is there something I should know about? They're old enough to be my parents. And we took a while for us to get back together on track. But in the body of Christ, you have moments where it is hilarious, and don't take yourself so seriously. And then there are other times where it's irritating and annoying, and they sat in my seat. I can't believe it. I am not coming back here. And you get stuff like, but there is no plan B. Often, God's grace ministered into your life is through the group of people that you are connected with here at church. And it will be irritating. It will be annoying. But more often than not, it is a tremendous blessing and gift. that You see God at work, and it's not a coincidence that he touches your life through somebody you're closely connected to. 
It's God's plan. And here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, let us not consider or, or let us consider how we should spur one another on to love and good deeds. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and especially as all the more as we see the day approaching. Right? So five quick observations in these two verses, and then I hope to draw your attention to something within the context that God has commanded us to do, but also he has given us the ability and enabled us to do it. Meet together, number one, is a command. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, meaning meet to get together. You got to be the church. Come together as the church. It's a command in verse 25. You're, you're born of God you are a child of God. You belong to the family of God. You have brothers and sisters all around the world. And in particular, to the church that you have, uh, attend. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 12, right? You are born into a body. And the body has many members, but they all make up one body, one part. You are unique. You play a part in that body. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Or the eye can't say to the hand, you're not that important. You see, so in 1 Corinthians 12, it's beautiful. God has arranged every part, you in particular, to the body just as he sees fit. Nobody's more important than the other. Everybody serves the role, a role in the part of the body. God bless the people who are on the other side of this wall, right? Thanks be to God that they're ministering to our children. Thank God for the person who cleans this church, the bathrooms, who make coffee. There are so many people who are a part of this who are unsung heroes and are doing their role and playing the part that God has them to play to make Believer's Chapel the way it is. It is amazing, and it is a testimony of a great God who works all things out for his, our good and, and his glory. We, we, it's a command. Meet together. Gather together. And the second observation is that not meeting together can become a habit. Did you catch that in verse 25? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't make it, a, if you miss, it's great to be able to see it online, but how many have said, it's just not the same. I'm great we had that, it's great that we had that technology, and I'm thankful that we could still hear the preaching of the word and the wonderful music, but there's just something about here and gathering together in person. And that's the way it should be, because don't let not meeting together become our, a habit. See, our tendency would be to avoid personal interaction. Vulnerability is uncomfortable, and we want to stay comfortable. So God's intention for us to grow to be like his son is to have fellowship with other believers, and thereby become more and more like him as we share and grow in fellowship and encouragement. So meeting together is hard. 
Staying online and presenting your profile is easy. I think Brad Paisley wrote a song. It's, I'm so much cooler online. Right? That's easy. This is hard. This is hard. But hard is good. Hard is good. It's not a coincidence that 1 Corinthians 13 follows 1 Corinthians 12. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, you're part of the body, you get plugged in, you play a role, whatever that may be. And then 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you have all kinds of gifts, but you don't have love, you're just a song, a clanging cymbal. You're just a gong. Let me tell you about a more perfect... So 1 Corinthians 13, which tells us that love is patient, love is kind... Love is, doesn't envy, it uh, does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. Guess what? That all works itself out in the body. It's God's intention that 1 Corinthians 13 follows 1 Corinthians 12. His desire is fellowship. It's called koinonia. It's, it's the sharing of life together, right? The sharing. It's the New Testament reality. It's the indispensable ingredient in your Christian faith. And it's God's means to distribute his grace in your life through the fellowship of believers in a community, Right? Meeting together is a command. Let's meet, and then not meeting together can become a habit. So here's a plug for living connected groups, right? Here at Believer's Chapel, there's little small groups that meet throughout the week, throughout this region, and the encouragement is to get plugged in. My wife and I are hosting ours this coming Wednesday at 6.30. We're up in the Houghton-Reshford area. And we encourage you to find one that is close to where you live and get plugged in. Be a part of what God is doing and allow him to administer his grace in your life through a close-knit group where you share with each other's burdens. When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And this is the living, breathing connectedness of the body of Christ. You see, you could, in a church like this, in a church like this, you could sneak in and you could sneak out and nobody would know, right? But what do you get? Sure, you could enjoy worship, be encouraged by his word, but it won't produce vibrancy, the abundant life. This is hard. It's easy to stay off away and isolate. But doing this interaction in a small group setting is difficult. But it is the way God has intended for you to thrive in your faith, to be encouraged, to love, and to do good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. The third um, observation in these two verses is be intentional and watchful. Did you notice in verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10, it says, let us consider, let us not give up. 
let us encourage one another. What that is saying is we need to be intentional and we need to be watchful. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 24, verses 11 through 14. Because there he tells us that as the day of the Lord draws near, wickedness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. As the day of the Lord of his return draws near, wickedness will increase and the love of those some make. So to prevent that, we meet together, we stir up one another, we encourage each other in love and in good deeds. Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. And that happens in a small group. That happens at church. To continue in what you have known and become convinced of. I am persuaded that he is able to keep me from that which, and to keep me until the day he returns. And we, we, we get together and we say, you can do it, Jerry. Persevere. I'll walk with you. I'm praying for you. And we do that for each other. Be intentional and watchful. And all of the purpose is, uh, fourth observation is in verse 24. The empowering to love. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. There's the purpose and the plan and the reason why we get together. To stir each other up to love and to good deeds. Deeds. The visible glory of God is at stake. They will know we are Christians by our... So we need each other. And as people observe how we love, which is being patient and kind and long-suffering, not envying and not self not rude, not easily angry. If when they, this is the glory of God evident to those who are watching, and the encouragement to each other that the Spirit of God is present. This is his work in our life. This is the goal of meeting together to stir one another on in love and good deeds. We meet together so that when we leave, we will have more power to love, more reason to love, more motivation to love, more wisdom to love and good deeds. And then fifth and finally, observation in these uh, verses, we go back to verse 23 of Hebrews 10 to strengthen our faith. Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Don't give up, Jerry. It's worth it. In the end, you'll look back and say, I'm Thanks be to God. And through the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ, we stay the course. We fight the good fight of faith. Again, if you're taking notes, Colossians 3, verses 15 to 17, remind us to have the word of God dwell in us richly. And then sing psalms, sing hymns, sing spiritual songs, and encourage one another, and do all things to the glory of God. This is why we meet together. These are just simply five observations in these two verses, while well, including verse 23, 
Within the context of Hebrews 10, perhaps you didn't consider uh, a, a special truth. God commands us to meet together. He also equips us and encourages and empowers us to do so. So I want to draw your attention to verse 19 of Hebrews 10. And maybe you'll see this in a whole different light with regards to the importance of why we get together as his church. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, <coughs> by, a, uh, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, verse 22 says, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What is being described in verses 19 to 22 in the context of the encouragement of not forsaking meeting together is the truth that now you, as a Christian, are a priest. We're Gentiles. It doesn't strike us as much as it would a Jew who is familiar with the custom of the high priest who could only enter into the most holy place behind a curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was once a year, and he couldn't enter that without blood. And so what has happened through the finished work of Christ and the shedding of his blood, he has given us, you, me, direct access to the living God. Amazing. The curtain was ripped from top to bottom. And now you and me can enter into God's presence and his glory. This is, when you consider what we are doing here as members of the body of Christ and as priests, your attendance on a Sunday morning is your priestly activity towards one another, encouraging each other as you enter into the presence of the living God through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are ministering as a priest and encouraging one another to follow hard after God, stay true to his word, walk with him. And it is the glory of God that descends and resides over this. Hold your place here in Hebrews 12. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. It's just two books to the right. You have Hebrews, James, and then you have 1 and 2 Peter. I'd like you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, meaning Jesus Christ, we sang this song this morning, Cornerstone. This is talking about Jesus, that living stone, that cornerstone, rejected by men but chosen by God. And it's precious to him, verse 5 of 1 Peter 2, 
you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy, to be a holy what? A holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto God. Your reasonable act of worship. And don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We gather together as priests, encouraging one another in the temple of the living God and his glory descends and resides over us. And it's, it's hard to describe it in words, but you can't get it in isolation and by yourself. Look at verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And gathering together, you declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is a work of God in your life, putting you in the family of God. You become a royal priesthood, fulfilling your priestly duties, not only individually, but corporately as a body. There is no place else where you can see and experience the glory of spirit of the living God when you gather together as the church. It doesn't happen in isolation. Those, there, there is more of God to be known and enjoyed when we meet together than anyone can know in isolation. We are being fitted together for a temple and for a dwelling of God by his spirit. There is a presence and power and manifestation of the spirit of God meant to be known in a gathering of worship like this that we do not know otherwise in isolation. When you were home and watching this online, it was wonderful, right, to be able to hear the word and listen to music. But it was like most of us said, it's just not the same. And when we came back together and we heard the preaching of the word and the wonderful music, it just... And we were ministering to each other as priests. Come with me into the holy presence of the living God and experience the Spirit of God descend upon us and do something that's indescribable. Encouraging us to love and to keep on keeping on, to fight the good fight of faith and do the good works that he has prepared in advance. There is something special about getting together corporately as a body of Christ. We need each other. We need each other. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, being fit together here at Believer's Chapel. More than a gathering of individuals, we're a temple where the spirit of the living God dwells. So let me close by having you turn, and this is perhaps maybe something you've never considered before, before with regards to you being a priest. I want to show you one of the priestly duties back in Deuteronomy chapter 20. And we'll close with this reference. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then you have Deuteronomy chapter 20. 
just the first four verses. Deuteronomy 20, 1 through 4. In light of the church, in light of the body of Christ, and God's work in us, and calling us priests who now can come into the very presence of God, who now do priestly duties with our brothers and sisters, encouraging one another to love and to do good works. Listen to Deuteronomy 20, verses 1 through 4. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, who comes forward and addresses them? The priest. The priest shall come forward and address the army. And the priest shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic. <coughs> For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory. I bring that to your attention to say, who's addressing the army? It's not the general. It is the priests. You see what we're getting at when we call ourselves priests and we gather together as the body of Christ? We encourage one another, as you're facing your enemy, you will have victory. The same God who parted the Red Sea and brought you up out of Egypt is the same God who will give you victory over your struggles, your hardships, and your trials. That comes when you meet together, and you're not only in assembly this size, but you're connected to brothers and sisters who say, I will walk with you, I will pray with you, we'll get through this together. Priests are addressing the army and encouraging them to hold on to their hope and their faith. This is what you and I do when we get together. This is what you and I do when we get together. Jesus said, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Did somebody say amen? Come on, church. Let's meet together and be the church for such a time as this. It's important. Let's close our time in prayer. Our Lord and gracious Heavenly Father, we are encouraged through your word that it's not simply checking a box that we've attended today. We can sneak in and we can sneak out. The perseverance of our faith is at stake. We need the assembly. We thank you for your work that you've done in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit, calling us out, making us holy, and calling us a royal priesthood. And from that perspective, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the importance of why we get together why during the week we are part of a living connected group. 
we spur one another on to love because as wickedness grows and increases, the love of some will grow faint. And together we encourage, we say, keep on keeping on. Help us, Lord, to fight the good fight of faith. May we be sensitive to those around us, to their needs, and we, may we be ministers of your grace in their lives, and may we allow them to minister to us in our lives. You're doing a great work here, Lord. We are just so grateful. We ask your blessing and protection upon it, and we pray that you would help us to play our role simply to bring you glory and to further your kingdom. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.